Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today uh, we actually have one of my close friends, surprisingly, Clay Moffat on the show. Now, Clay, uh, the reason I haven't done his huge pump and amazing intro is because I kind of want to give you guys a bit of a story. Now, I, but I met Clay through uh, a couple of mutual friends, and the guy is, uh, my perception of him initially was, looks like a cool dude, but probably has the same thing that everyone else does. Really, there's nothing that this guy could do to help me, but he's a client, so, you know, this is all good and well. And this is my actual belief for about, mm, I don't know, five minutes before I actually got to talk to him. The moment I spoke to him, immediately, and we only spoke through messages, immediately I knew this guy was someone that I need to pay attention to. And then as time went on, I can tell you some of the results I've got with, work with working with him. Um, he has a metronome thing, which I can't even explain, which Clay, you're going to have to explain for me, which basically recenters my focus. I've never found anything that basically recenters my focus. Once my focus is gone, it's pretty much on a wild ride for about an hour before I get back to where I was. And Clay's metronome thing literally just recentered me. Um, and also, just as a quick shout out, Clay's, golf, uh, Clay's partner uh, actually designed my website. So the guys that are watching this on adelamarcy.com, uh, Marie basically is Clay's partner, and she's the one that designed the website, and that's how I met Clay. So without any more talking about it right now, I'm going to bring the man on himself. Clay, you there? Yeah, <laughs> I've been uh, trying not to laugh out loud about oh, the metronome thing. Oh, dude, you should have laughed out loud. I don't care. It would have been funny as all shit. I don't even know what it's called, but it really fucking helps because I'm using it right now. Well, it's uh, the program's called the Zen Mind. That's but, the uh, <clears throat> Let's just go with the metronome thing because it actually sounds a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Enjoy metronomes. God damn it. Whenever I think of that, now my brain goes to Pokemon, which is just annoying. Pokemon use metronomes? Uh, particularly two Pokemon, Jigglypuff and Wigglytuff. It's kind of scary oh. that I remember this. I'm, I'm impressed. I've never technically watched the show, although, <laughs> funny as you'd mentioned that, I thought Marie was into the show, so I booked us two tickets to go see the Pokemon movie. Oh we got God. there. She was mortified that I bought tickets to the Pokemon movie. I tried to change it, but they wouldn't let us. You know what? I actually did go to watch the Pokemon movie. It wasn't terrible. Detective Pikachu was not terrible. I thought it was oh. going to be horrible. I thought Ryan Reynolds is the only redeeming quality of this movie. I watched it. I was like, I would totally watch this again. That is where we would definitely part ways, my friend. I, I yeah. thought Ryan Reynolds was brilliant in it, and I thought the movie was... Like, if you're a Pokemon fan, yeah, that's probably pretty good. But for me, I, nah, it, no, no, no. No, substance. <laughs> Yeah, it is. But then again, at the same time, I think I think uh, at times I watch movies for different reasons. But besides that, kind of jumping into this right now, because I do want to go ahead and just say this. Um, one of the cool things that you do, because I didn't do this justice, one of the cool things is like when I was writing for Clay is he has like one of the most insane stories ever of how you got to where you are. And I want to delve into that in a moment. But before we do, I'm just going to give a quick shout out to our sponsors for this episode. First sponsor, of course, for this episode is ClayMoffat.com. That's Clay, that's C-L-A-Y-M-O-F-F-A-T.com. Go check it out. And also Gray Zone Underground, and that's G-R-A-Y Zone, as in Z-O-N-E, underground.com. Check both places out. 
you will not be disappointed because you have a show as well that's coming out on there, which is going to be brilliant. Or if it's already out at this point, it'll be even better. Now, the question I have for you to kick off, how the fuck did you end up in the world that you're in? Like, what was the flip to create this unique mechanism that you've created that helps people get results better than anyone else? <laughs> oh, yeah. I came in hard for the first question, by the way. I can just see your face kind of going, uh, did you just, like, hit me with a really hard math question? No, no. It's more laughing about the, the point and part of uh, better than anyone else. That's That's... That comes down to connection with the person you're working with, my man. So with some people, I'd absolutely agree to that. And with others, you know, it doesn't work. And that's why some people are fit. And that's why I reject more people than I accept because I want to make sure they get the results. So, Exactly. Um, that's a better yeah. way of wording it then. The, you've, you bet you've gotten great results for everyone that you've worked with through your selective process of who you work with. Well, yeah, I'd say that now. But there were like training wheels in the beginning, man, and they kind of fell off a bit. So, but now, absolutely. Um, I'd say roughly around about a 98.5, 99% success record with wow. most of my clients. Um, and usually pretty quickly and some take a bit longer than others, but you know, it's pretty good. But how did I get to here? Yeah. That's, I made a decision about, Ten years ago, um, when I was, well, basically in the processing house for the jail, um, that every bad thing that had happened in my life was my own doing. Right, I didn't have a bad upbringing. I had really loving parents. I, st I still do have really loving parents. I got a very supportive brother. Um, I had the best mate growing up, my dog, and I, I really didn't have anything bad going on. You know, I wasn't abused sexually, physically, emotionally. Um, I wasn't abandoned. I wasn't beaten. Well, I mean, I <laughs> I copped a few beatings, but they were well deserved. I was a uh, miscreant, so you know. Um, but really when it came down to it, there was just this underpinning level of, well, for lack of a better word, failure, man. Um, I had a failure to communicate with people. I had a failure to be understood. I had a failure to belong in the world. And I had a failure to communicate with myself. And that got translated into a lot of turmoil, a lot of rage, a lot of aggression which got funneled into drinking, man. When I was 13, I was uh, hospitalized and I was, I can't remember what the percentage was, but my blood alcohol content was about 1% away from needing a blood transfusion. And had it been over, I would have died because they didn't have my blood. Wow. Um, I woke up two days later, I was on a camping trip with some mates from school. I woke up two days later on my parents' living room floor having completely pissed the bed. Well, I mean, it was a floor, so, you know, because um, I had no control over anything, man. Like, I completely lost control. And that was kind of the story of my life up until the time I made the decision I made. Uh, when I was 18, or when I was 17, I joined the Navy. My first Christmas leave, I came back from my weapons specialist training, and uh, I went out to a 
party with a good friend of mine from school. It was his work Christmas party. And it was at a rowing shed. And there was a party on the, on the top level. And the story I got told eight days later when I woke up in hospital was that a fight had broken out. I got in between the two guys fighting and I got thrown through a balcony railing, not over it, through the fucking thing. Fuck. Smashed it to pieces, fell three and a half meters headfirst on a concrete and fractured my skull. Was in a coma for seven and a half days, eight days and woke up in hospital having no idea who I was, how I got there. And I had basically, by the time I came to, two and a half weeks to learn to walk and talk again so I could continue on with my training. So I didn't get kicked out of the Navy because the thing I feared more than anything was getting medically discharged. And then my identity at that time was tied so badly to being a sailor and being this, this well, I guess I thought myself as some kind of hero, right? This uh, patriotic hero who's doing his part for the country and a good deed or whatever. I don't believe that anymore, but at the time I did. And... I just didn't want, to, didn't want to get kicked out, man. And so I basically told no one. I kept it hidden. And I managed to pass. I managed to pass the training and stay in the Navy. Which, of course, the alcohol continued because at this point, I still hadn't kind of made the connection because my connection with alcohol was so saturated with all these positive connections to drinking with my mates um, that the odd hangover here or even, you know, the potentially life-threatening dying at 13 years old or 18 years old wasn't enough to stop me from drinking because I hadn't kind of dealt with my own inner demons of learning to communicate with myself and the world at large. Yep. Then they kind of continued, man. Um, and there were ups and downs. You know, I dated some really, really amazing women. I've got some really, really good friends. But internally, dude, it was just a... I was a shell, man. Like, if we're going to be honest. Uh on the outside, everyone, most people would say I was a confident dude. Yeah. But if we got into the reality of it, it was kind of like a, a false bravado. Yeah. And uh, it, was, uh, it was being driven massively by the ego. And to be honest, right now, I'm still driven by the ego, but it's in a very, very different way. It's a much more accepting and a much more holistic way. Whereas back then, it was all about trying to impress everyone else, whether it's now, it's just more about connecting with myself and connecting with people. Exactly. I mean, this is something that's quite powerful and kind of touching upon the whole, everyone sees me as confident, but I'm guessing when you're internal, you're like, why is everyone seeing me as confident? I don't feel confident. What's going on? I don't get this. Like it was such a, like, did you have that feeling where you felt slightly disconnected internally and externally to yourself and kind of went, I don't understand why everyone sees me one way and I see myself completely differently. I think that's the universal question, my friend. Yeah. You know, um, most people, not all, I'd say a good majority, are their own biggest critics. Yep. And um, depending on how far back you want to go into like the psychology of this all, a lot of people that we're talking like a hundred years ago, a lot of people thought that the voice inside your head was either God or the devil. And that's why they'd say getting the demons out of you or I'm, I'm, I'm hearing angels because they'd have this voice. And depending on how your brain had been conditioned, whether you've been put through hell or not, you've got all this criticism in there or whether you've had you know the good life and you've seen the good side of things and you have all these angels talking to you. 
that's kind of like where it came through. And then they started to make the breakthrough in about the 40s and 50s, around about Freud's time, that it wasn't actually God that was talking to you. Now, that's what the literature says, regardless of whether or not that's true. I don't know. I wasn't alive in the 40s and 50s. Unfortunately, you vampire. You know, I mean, yeah, like I I haven't been around forever, but that's okay. I'll live with that. Um, But to answer your question more, more directly, I'd, I'd say, yeah, man. Um, it, was, it was a huge part of it because there was, and, and to, to the point of when I, when I, was, I was looking in, in, in that mirror, in, in, the, in the holding cell, and I was like, I, I, I made that decision. Like, okay, instead of blaming the rest of the world for all this shit happening, maybe you need to start looking at yourself and, and that was like such a realization, such a, I guess you could say epiphany really, because in that moment, everything kind of became clear that if, if I started taking that choice and attempting to connect with myself, then through the attempt to connect with myself, you know, instead of like, you you hear people turn around and pass on a judgment about other people saying, or he or she is dead from the neck down. Yeah. Right. And um, I guess that was kind of me for the first 26 years of my life. Something, and I, I couldn't even tell you what, I've done a lot of work myself and with other professionals who have helped me get to this place. And um, I still have mentors now that help me because people say, oh, well, you've been doing NLP for so many years and you're a trainer and you do this and blah, 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 blah. Like you should have it all together. I'm like, dude, I still got issues, man. And I'll be the first person to tell you that I'm not perfect. And I'll tell you that my headspace is a million times better than most people because I spend about two hours every day working on it and working through stuff and changing things. And so most people don't think that that's a valuable thing. Me personally, I do. So that's why I do it. That's why it's my career now. But this disconnection that I had was, it was shattering, man, you know? It was kind of like, imagine a bulldozer. This is probably the best way I could explain it. Imagine a bulldozer with like an endless supply of fuel. Someone gets in, starts it, puts it in forward motion, and then the driver dies at the wheel. Shit. That bulldozer is going to carry on going, right? Nothing's going to stop it. It's just going to keep on trucking and keep on pushing through things. It might fall off a cliff. It might go into a river and drown. It might go straight into oncoming traffic. It might go into a war zone, right? But the bulldozer itself is going to keep running until it runs into the ground. And I guess you could say that was like the life path I had before. And that's why I've had measured success in other areas of my life because I had no direction. I had no steering, but I could just get up and do things. I just get up and work and I just go after it. And I can thank my my dad and my mom for that because they've got an amazing work ethic. And so I kind of learned that unconditionally, unconsciously from them. Yeah. But um, having that disconnect and not being able to really get in touch with who you are is basically like having this bulldozer with no one driving it. That's actually like the best analogy I've ever heard for this. Because especially with people with high work ethic, you're going to head to burnout if you don't have a direction. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and I don't mean just like, oh, I'm tired and physical. I mean, no, spiritual burnout, like internally, something's just going to be off with you. And it's going to take a lot of work to come back from that recovery. I mean, you've, you've gone through that work. And the thing is that you actually do do that work every day. My curiosity is because you did mention this before to me, like in a private message, you spend two hours a day doing the work that you do. What does that look like? Like, what does that actual structure look like for you every day? So first thing when I get up is the, the metronome thing. Um, <laughs> the metronome thing is now what, yeah. what's its official name. Yeah, the metronome thing. I'm going to go on to the website. I'm going to change the name of it now to the metronome thing. Um, <laughs> he actually would as well. That's the best part. People think like he's joking. Just look at the website. You'll probably see it there just to just be like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Yep. So the metronome <laughs> thing is like the, pretty much the first thing I do when I wake up and it's the last thing I do before I go to bed. Right. Uh, I do that for two purposes. Basically... So it, the course is technically called the Zen Mind at the moment, but I'm going to change the name now. So it'll be the metronome thing in brackets Zen Mind. Um, but <laughs> do it the other way around. It's like Zen Mind in brackets the metronome thing. <laughs> All right, well, we can do that. That's not a problem. Um, there's there's lots of layers. So basically, I did a short course on that just to give people like something that they could use. But there's multiple levels of what that does to your neurology in terms of stimulating your parasympathetic nervous system. And in today's society, with so many people suffering from chronic stress, they're in a state of sympathetic arousal, meaning your autonomic nervous system, it comes, it's basically got a binary switch and it's a neurochemical switch. And it's either sympathetic arousal or it's parasympathetic arousal. You can't be half, half, it can't be 75, 25, it's either one way or the other. There is no middle ground here. And chronic stress builds up from like people getting emails, people getting phone calls, pressure for paying a mortgage, kids not doing well enough in school, you're not doing well enough, you know, whatever the hell it is, right? Right. And these stresses build up and they put people in a state of, so there's the five Fs, right? And the five Fs are split in, into two sides. So you've got three Fs on sympathetic arousal and most people know what these are when I start talking about them, which is fight, flight and freeze. Right. So you're going to fight your way out of something, you're going to run away from something or you're in complete overwhelm and you're just stuck there. And you, you see this in nature when you see like a predator, like an apex predator going after prey and you'll see the, the prey just freeze. And it's an instinctual response because if it's frozen, like if, if, it, if it's still, then it could be rotting flesh and most apex predators won't go after food that isn't alive because it's, it could be dead, it could be rotting, so it's going to cause them an infection or something. So it's kind of being inherently built into us that when we're in like a complete overwhelm, we shut down. So that's sympathetic arousal. Now, on the flip side of that, you've got the other two, and I'm not sure if this is an R-rated podcast, but it is now, and that's yes, feeding so and fucking. Yep. So you have feeding and fucking on the parasympathetic nervous side, right? And um, they're two things that, most people enjoy, right? They're, they're things that people enjoy doing. They open you up to see different things, to explore the world, to explore new experiences. And the parasympathetic arousal is, is what the Zen mind or metronome thing is designed to do. That's precisely what it's designed to do. It's designed to take you out of a, a place where exactly like you're talking about at the start of the deal, it's designed to take you out of a place where you are freaking out. You've got a million things inside your head. And it works in a very different way to most, I guess, people 
akin it to being like meditation, but it's not. No, it really and isn't. And if you are going to compare it to it, then let's just say it is for a moment, but it's body-based meditation. It's hijacking your brain through your body and through neurological triggers that are inherent in every single person, which is why it works. And it might not work as well for you as it does for me the first time, but I guarantee if you do it for a week and you do it, and, and you don't need to do it long, man. You can do it for five minutes, three different times a day. So it's 15 minutes. And for 15 minutes a day, your body's being taught how to get back into a sympathetic, uh, out of a sympathetic arousal, into a parasympathetic arousal, and you just start shutting down. But you're shutting down in a way that allows you to open to more information, allows you to relax, and allows you to really just let go, which is the whole point of it. And that's how I start my day. I start my day that way. So, that, I mean, I sleep really well, man, except for right now because I've just got um, a laser tattoo removal thing going on because my tattoos started pussing and getting all gross and I had a reaction to the ink after 17 years, which was a bit shit, but it is what it is. So you've had a delayed reaction to your tattoo after 17 years? Yeah. So I went and saw the doc and they said that... Um, the allergic reaction to the, that my body's rejecting the ink. I'm like, but it's been in there 17 years. And they said, sometimes it can take that long. So they said the only way to get rid of it is to get rid of the tattoo. So I'm, I'm pissed, but I'm really grateful because I've got one massive tattoo that covers like half my chest and half my back. And that hasn't done anything yet. So I'm hoping that stays good because if I have to get that removed, I'll probably die. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it sounds like it'd be painful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty painful thing. You can get over it. But um, the idea is I sleep well. I do that because when you wake up, you're in, I'm going to, I sometimes mess this up. You're in the hypnagogic state, no, hypnopopic state when you wake up like that. That moment before you open your eyes, but you, you have the consciousness, the awareness that you're awake, yeah. you're in a state that is similar to what, what a lot of people would say is like hypnosis. And so in that state, you're actually very suggestible. So as a side note to everyone listening, if you want to give yourself really good suggestions, do it at that time first thing in the morning before you open your eyes and just stay like all the positive. If you want to do affirmations, that's the best time to do affirmations. And if you're doing affirmations, you're into that kind of thing, make sure it's positively stated. So don't say, I don't want to be broke. Say, I want to be rich. Don't say, you know, like put it to where you want to go. Yeah, not where the you time, go. Exactly. The other time is the hypnagogic state, which is just before you go to bed. And that's the moment just before you actually drift off to sleep when your eyes are already closed and like you're in that transitory state. That's the other time. So what I do is I do this both those times to kind of condition myself for the day and condition myself for sleep that night so that I know that things are going to be traveling in the right way. Once I've finished with the breathing, which I do for, it's a varying time. I first started at five minutes. Now I run it between anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes in the morning and in the evening then i've got a self-conditioning program that i use like i make specific programs for exactly what i want um very similar to like the nap sessions that i use on the gray zone and with my personal clients um so with those there's uh hypnotic language hypnosis subliminal messages uh, brainwave entrainment um there's a lot of things emotional state conditioning there's a lot of like elements going to there and that's like kind of program my mind and then it's this has just been started in my routine i have a djembe do you know what a djembe is no what is that djembe is a drum 
from West Africa and the Mali region, like Senegal and stuff like that. Okay. And I've started drumming. And I do my drumming because it's the, the amount of benefits is like off the charts. It helps with hemispheral uh, synchronization. It helps with connecting the lower part of your brain, your brainstem to the neocortex, which is a newer part of the brain. It helps with development and creating connections in the corpus callosum, which again, starts to allow easier transmission between the left and the right hemisphere. So I do drumming for a little while and then I usually do about 30 minutes of reading and it's usually reading on, it, it varies on week to week. So sometimes it's books about neuroscience, sometimes it's books about psychology, sometimes it's just like, uh, I like war novels and stuff like that or sometimes fantasy. So it just depends, but that's my morning routine. That's incredible. It's something I really kind of been getting back into right now is reading. Um, I've been noticing that I prefer audiobooks way more than I like written books. Why is that? It's partially because I'm dyslexic. Mm. Yeah. Which is, which is no, 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 no. You need Dude. to get a jam bag. Oh, really? Uh, yep. So there is a <laughs> funny that you mentioned this. So one of my mentors who got me into the djembe, um, he used to do West African drumming with one of his teachers. I'll get you the details for this. I've already asked them for someone else. Um, and he has literally, uh, I, I'm not allowed to say cured because only medical doctors can, but I can tell you this. He has trained 16 kids who used to have dyslexia. Let's put it that way. Okay. And they now no longer do after they've gone through his drumming program. That's incredible. So um, I've, I've literally, uh, a buddy of mine posted something online the other day about his boy struggling to read because he's got dyslexia. And I saw it and, I, and like it literally, it's the first thing I've seen since learning about this. And so I reached out to my mentor to get the details. And as soon as I get them, I'll forward them to you and I'll forward them to him as well. Oh, that's awesome. Dude, that's brilliant. The main reason I say that is again, like reading books for a long time has been a bit of a pain because it's it's not severe to the point that I can't do it, but when I'm in high stress, it becomes painful to read. Sure. So, yeah, that's basically it. And of course, I got to go back and do the metronome thing way more. By the time this show comes out, I'll be like basically doing it every day because that's really fun. <laughs> that's what it's always going to be known as to me. And it's like, yep, that's you go on the website and you see it there. It's probably going to be on the show notes as well, just like parentheses or brackets just metronome thing um but kind of like jumping off of that but same point as well like what you do with your morning routine um with your like do you ever like incorporate a workout into your morning routine or no no so i'm not a big fan of working out in the mornings uh, just personally i used to do it in the military because we used to have to get up and run in the morning um but technically um the way i drum and mess around I work up a sweat anyway, so yeah. I'm not lifting weights, but it's like a physical activity, which is, uh, I find it more beneficial since I started doing it than working out because it really gets, because of the way you've got the polyrhythmic uh, beats going, it starts like really syncing up the hemispheres and I find that the mornings I do it, I'm on fire, man, and everything's clicking and everything's working and um, much better than a workout. And in the afternoons, uh, when I work out, I am doing body-based workouts so I can do them anyway because I started making the excuse that oh, I don't have a gym and I'm traveling too much. So I'm like, okay, 
you make an excuse now. So I went and got some resistance bands and I take them with me everywhere and uh, I can't really bitch because I don't have a gym. Is this the reason why you actually started using, um, you, you did the 100 push-up thing, 100 mm-hmm. push-up challenge? Still do. Yeah. Wait, do you still do 100 push-ups every day? Yep. That's 150 now. I just don't film it every day because it can't, I figured it's just going to get boring for everyone. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was incredible when you did it, though. And I was like, huh, I wonder why he's doing 100 push-ups a day. And then, like, you did tell me it was kind of amazing. It's something that I really, because uh, after the move, I finally got to a point where my place looks livable because I swear to God, I hate boxes. If I see another box anytime soon, it'll be too soon. Just cannot do it. Remind me not to send you a present in a box then. No, no, like a big moving box. <laughs> <laughs> like regular boxes I'm cool with but like when it's like a moving box I say this while I'm sat basically looking at a bunch of boxes at like the place I'm sat at I, I literally see boxes I'm like they're not mine it's okay I'm fine but my place I'm like there's only four left that I need to empty break down and throw out and I'm good the only the, the only downside where I live though is there is no uh, there's no elevator or lift there's four flights of stairs how's that a downside Try carrying really heavy shit up that stairwell when you're trying to move in. It's a bitch. Like wardrobes and TVs and books. Books were the worst one because I, I counted when I moved. There's about 425 books in my library right now. And I had to keep like carrying them up and down the stairs. My parents were like, yeah, we, we're, we're really glad you got this place, but I swear to God, hire a moving company next time. <laughs> like, we'll do. It will not a lot easier. That's always fun. Now, one of my questions I really love asking on this show, and I specifically am curious about your... Uh, actually, no, we're not going to do that. There is one thing I do want to ask here. It's something you did talk about on your website. It's kind of like when you realize that you need to get your life together. I don't want to go too much into... Well, we can go into as many details as you want. When you got, when you got to that point where you essentially kind of went, okay, I, I need to use what I know in this situation to help myself out. What was the decision to actually make that choice? Because again, we have that three, we have fight, flight, or freeze. And sometimes in that situation, we know what to do, but our brains are so addled with stress and pain and circumstance that we can't think straight to actually even get started to do what we're doing. What was it in that dire situation that really went, okay, I need to follow what I know? Um, that was a decision, like what was that decision? If you remember, well, it's, it's, this is going to be almost a very long winded way of answering it, but it's <laughs> possibly going to be the best way I can. Um, that comes down to the conditioning that I've had for the majority of my life from my dad. My dad's, uh, well, you know, most guys think that dad's pretty hardcore. Um, my dad was a special forces sniper, so he is pretty fucking hardcore. So yeah, pretty um, hardcore in terms of hardcore shit. Yep. Um, and he's also a very, very generous and very loving man, except when it comes to sports. <laughs> and then he becomes a complete psychopath. Um, <laughs> in, in the best way possible. I mean, like the most supportive, you know, those parents on the sidelines and like, yep. fucking get him, get him. Don't yep. let him get away. That was my dad, except my dad wasn't on the sidelines. He was like on the field walking around with an umbrella yelling at me, telling me to go harder. Um, and I remember like in, in some games, I used to play rugby 
And then in one game, I basically got concussed about two or three times. I just kept getting back out there. And I turned around and said to my dad, like, I don't think I should play this game anymore. I'm, I'm too skinny. And he's like, you know what? Let's, let's do something else. So I, I went on to Australian rules football. And, yeah. um, Which is just as crazy. It's just as crazy, but the guys, because it's, you run so much in Aussie rules football, they can't be as big. Like, you just physically can't be this big, monstrous, mammoth guy. I mean, like, the, like in NFL, right? The right. guys don't run that much. And because they don't run that much, they can be big, muscly powerhouses, like short, powerful impact plays. But, like, if they have to run, no chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, so I went and played Aussie rules. And I remember getting busted up one time and like limping off the field and I come and my dad's there. He's like, what's wrong with you? I said, oh, I busted my ankle and I'm bleeding on this. And no shit, man. Like the most common two words I ever heard out of my dad's mouth was, you're lucky. And I'm like, what? You're talking about you crazy old man. He goes, you're breathing. He goes, you, you can feel pain. Some people can't feel pain. Some people don't have the ability to breathe. He goes, you're lucky. I'm like, fucking Jesus, man. Like, this is what I'm thinking to myself about my dad, right? Right. But that was like, a, that was a, a, a constant theme that he, he, he used to always say to me. And it kind of got conditioned in there. I have no idea how it got conditioned. Maybe because most of the time he said it to me, I was in a very, very emotional state, which if you didn't know, makes you highly suggestible. Yep. And I'm pretty sure he did know that being the ace copyright you are, because that's the whole idea of what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But the point being, um, it, it, it sat with me, man. And it sat with me for the longest time. And so I was sitting there in, in the holding cell and just had this realization. There, there was another element to it as well. So I was in a different country. We don't need to know which one. But this country that I was in, there was also a Malaysian in there. And um, this is actually not a part of the story that I've ever told before. Not that it's entirely crazy but it's go for it there was this dude and he couldn't speak english um i learned indonesian in school and i could speak enough to get by i wasn't fluent by any means i used to live in bali for a couple of years and um i I knew enough to like try and help this guy no one else spoke uh because malaysian and indonesian are very very similar and no one else spoke Malaysian. This guy couldn't tell anything. And this guy was an engineer traveling through, I believe he landed in Houston and he had a connecting flight and he was traveling through the airport to his connection and he had a pocket watch. No, not pocket knife. Pocket, pocket knife. knife. He's back. And security pulled him aside, arrested him and threw him in jail for having a pocket knife. Wow. Something that you or me would be able to just go through with no problems in Australia or the UK. But he was in a foreign country, couldn't speak the language, was expecting to just go straight through to the ship, obviously. Um, and, yeah, ended up in jail, man. Wow. He couldn't speak to anyone. He couldn't speak the language. And uh, I managed to persuade people to allow me to send an email to uh, send one email I just happened to put like five people on the address, which was my girlfriend at the time, my mum's work email, her home email, my brother. I think it was one other person. And so I sent an email and that was the the key to me being uh, able to make uh, bond and then get out 
and then proceed from there. But this guy didn't. And so I tried to do some kind of translation for him to speak to the people and got him to a point. But basically, man, I saw that guy's life potentially get flushed down the toilet for something that's inconsequential, man. Wow. And I, I thought to myself, and like, literally like that, you're lucky came straight back into my head. And I was like, well, fuck dude, if you're lucky and you're this lucky and you keep screwing up, imagine how much better your life's going to be when you stop doing that. And so that's kind of the process that I went through to be able to make the decision and then stick with it. You know, um, it's been a, it's been an interesting road. I, I, I got arrested for doing some stupid shit when I was drunk to be perfectly fair. But and I, I drank a couple of times after that. I, I didn't drink for about a year or two after that. But then my brother got married and I drank at his wedding. That kind of started me off again. But then around about three and a half years ago, um, I just stopped drinking altogether. And I haven't touched it since. And life's been great since, man. And I guess it's just about adopting that. And that's kind of like my credo is that it's also the thing that I say to myself when I wake up in the morning. You know, you're lucky to be alive. You're lucky to have this life. You're lucky to live in Thailand. Um, you're lucky to be able to travel over the world. You're lucky to have clients that pay to travel just to Thailand to come and work with you. You know, it's, it's, I really am lucky. Now, I don't mean it in, in, in the Eastern sense of the word, that um, you know, this good fortune and um, what's the thing? Feng Shui and that kind of thing. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. I just don't mean it in that sense. Yeah. I mean, it in, meeting. Yeah. I mean, in the sense that you're lucky you've got the opportunity to make a difference. You're lucky you've got the opportunity to change the direction of your life. And you're lucky that you can actually do something about it. Because for me, luck isn't about something that happens to you. It's about the work that you do and it's where chance and opportunity collide, right? So right. your preparation has provided the chance and then an opportunity comes past and you're off and running. But if you hadn't done the preparation and you still had that same opportunity come, you wouldn't say that you're lucky because you wouldn't get the same result. Makes sense. I'm just taking that in like way more. It's all good, my friend. It's all good. No, it's powerful though, because if you really think about it, like everyone's, everyone literally does have their own definition of what luck is. I would um, agree to that. Yeah. Because again, I used to have that opportunity meets, uh, what was it? Opportunity meets um, preparation. Mm -hmm. That used to be my whole credo for a long time. And I realized it's not just that it's operation. Uh, it's uh, opportunity meets um, preparation combined with applied knowledge. Yep. That's why I've called lucky. And at that point, you just break it down. Go, there is no such thing. Like For me, at least, lucky is kind of like, that could have gone terribly wrong, but thankfully it didn't. And yeah. you don't rely on that as much. You just kind of go in and build it in. So kind of jumping off of that point, because I'm cognizant of time, um, one of the key questions I've, I've wanted to ask you for a really long time, mainly because I love, as I said, I love books. You have 425 in your library. There is a reason you have them, even if you're dyslexic, you tend to read them. Um, 
what would you say would be your top five books that you'd recommend literally anyone uh, looking to actually expand and turn their mindset around uh, and really stop what I'd say is being, and this is my own phrasing for it, a quote unquote fly boy to actually being uh, more, yeah, I was just gonna go with that. But stop being such a fly boy to go into becoming like more serious and understanding who they are and really kind of applying themselves. What five books would you recommend for someone to start with? And the other question, what three movies would you suggest someone watches? Not for that same reason, but just three movies that you would recommend people should see. So that's really good. I like that. A little contrast. Here's the problem with books. And I don't mean that books are a problem. I mean that you can read a book once, right? Right. And have really good reading. You can read it again. It can be horrible. And that's for several reasons. One is we're state dependent learning. Meaning if you are in a shitty mood and you pick up a book, you're going to pick up information from a shitty perspective. If you're in a good mood and you read a book, if you're in a sad mood and you're like, oh, I'll just dive into my book because no one likes me, you're going to pick up different information. To get the most value out of a book, everyone needs to firstly, A, have an intention as to why they're reading that book. Not just read it for the sake of reading, but have an intention, especially as adults, right? Adult learners need to know why we're doing things, which means you need to know why you're reading the book first and foremost. So as long as you've got that sorted and you know why you're reading the book, then there's a couple of books that are pretty much what I would consider, um, well, yeah, I should just call them go-to books. So basically, the first book that I consider a, a must is A Man's Search for Meaning, which is by Viktor Frankl. Excellent book. Amazing book, man. And for anyone that's like down on themselves, down in the dumps, doesn't think that it's uh, life's any good or is having like a huge problem with their life, then... I recommend that book because basically it takes now granted in today's world where there is a lot of, let's say jaded views towards people of whatever race or sex you come from. This is from a Jew from World War II, who was in a death camp and managed to survive. Yeah. Right? Wasn't he in Auschwitz? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he was, was. Like, literally the worst one. <laughs> and um, he basically, in, in the way I look at it, this was like one of the most pivotal books to me. He took and learned the basic essence that is learning uh, internal locus of control and he sums it up so brilliantly and there's two sections to the book the first section basically teaches you the lesson and the second section the second half of the book is more from like a coaching or therapeutic standpoint if you want to read about it then he talks about logo therapy basically which is basically his kind of way of dealing with clients and dealing with the world which is still really cool but it's more of a technical read whereas the first half of the book is just amazing yeah then another book which only really can, I only really got around to 
um, last year, but I highly recommend it to people. There's a book called Mycelium Running. And that's how mushrooms can help save the world by Paul Stamets. Now, there's, I'm pretty sure there's a movie that's come out, funnily enough, I haven't seen it, which is based on this book. And I think it's called Fantastic Fungi. Huh, and basically, right. what it is, is it's saying that growing more mushrooms can be the best thing we can do to save the environment. Because mushrooms recycle carbon, nitrogen, they break down elements, they break down animal debris, um, they decompose toxic, toxic wastes and pollutants. Um, there's like so much stuff that they do, it's not funny. And so this is like a, a book about mushrooms and the, their uses for like um, psychological conditions. The, are, we talking, uh, are we talking regular mushrooms or psilocybin? Yep. No, all types. Like oh, there's wow. uses for all of them. Yeah, it, it's, it's over the top, man. So then they've, got, they've also got like a, a section on the spiritual growth with psilocybin and that kind of thing as well. And the book's just really, really coolly written. It's massively referenced and it's, it's just crazy, man. And if like people just want to check out like how crazy things can get, that's what I reckon I recommend that they read. Um, another book that I get most of my clients to read is called the brain rules by John Medina. Nice. And, um, basically what it does is it's a neuroscience look at the brain and how it works. And so you can start understanding how your brain works, how you can uh, deliver optimum performance, how you can start understanding how things are moving, how they're not moving. And basically it's 12 brain rules that when you start to understand it, and these are all, he's got everything heavily cited and heavily referenced and for it to be considered a brain rule and for something to be cited in his book, it had to be done in two separate um, uh, psychological studies and neuroscientific studies from separate universities who have a significant a reputation in terms of their uh, status, shall we say. And they also had to have no conflicting views done with the evidence that to date at the date of printing. And it's a really, really good book, man. It's a, it's a brilliant book. And it really does help people teach and teach people an understanding of their brain and how to use it and work well with it and move through it. That's amazing. Yeah, you're saying this, I'm writing this down and going, I have a new Amazon wish list. Bye. <laughs> I'll send it to you, man, no problem. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. It's, it's a really, really good book. Um, another one, which is a good book, is uh, which a lot of people say is, you know, it was fake and all that, but I still think it's a great book. It's uh, Separate Reality, Conversations with Don Juan, Carlos Castaneda. Huh. And um, that book is basically about Carlos Castaneda, who's an anthropologist who got his PhD through basically going on um, vision quests with a uh, shaman in Mexico. And um, it got told to be that it was, it was all fake and it didn't actually happen, all this kind of thing. But... In terms of the lessons inside the book, there's a lot of valuable lessons about the mind, about uh, especially when it comes to like a more of a spiritual kind of side and getting in touch with things. And it's a, I think it's just a brilliant book and it's really, really, um, 
well, I find it life-changing, to be honest. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. And then one of the other books, which is a bit more, um, what's the word for it? I'm trying to think of the best word for it. A bit more relaxed, but not more relaxed. It's a book that pretty much I'd say everyone knows. And that's The Alchemist. Paul Gwellen, yeah. Yep. It's, it's more, I wouldn't say it's relaxed. It's more, it's chilled. It's more of a chilled book. It's a, it's a book that you can just really chill out to. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's more of, I'd say in terms of the way the book's structured, it's more of a hypnotic book. And I don't mean that he's intentionally trying to hypnotize you. I mean, the power of the metaphor is so good that I've had clients read that book and they just suddenly understand something is different about the world and themselves in it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I find it's such a really handy book. Agreed. I read it every single year. There you go. Yeah. It's all, it's, I always read it on my birthday. So. On your birthday. New year, new year, man. Exactly. And it's kind of lucky because I'm born on the end of a month. So I'm born on September 30th. So October oh. 1st is three months exactly before the new year for everyone else. So I usually give myself like a 90 day run up to what a new year is. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Just kind um, of, you know, just re up and like when, cause there is a lot of energy, like just going uh, metaphysical for a second. There was a lot of energy released uh, around new year's uh, and new year's Eve Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, of like all this good, powerful intention. And that's why it dissipates so quickly because it's like just in that single moment but because I have that buildup, I actually use that time to uh, reinvigorate the lull that I would have hit in the three-month mark. Yeah. So that's the way I do it. You just keep on going. Yep. But yeah, you were saying, oh. sorry, just jumping in there. No, 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 no. That was perfect timing, man. Um, and then three movies. Yeah. Three movies. This is you just interesting recommend. because I don't really watch that many movies. Um, my favorite movie of all times, Point Break, just so we're clear, the original, the shit remake that they did. Yeah, years the one with Keanu. Yeah, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, man. Like, brilliant exactly. movie. Um, exactly. I, I just think that the underlying theme that, and I, even the Patrick Swayze's character name, Bodhi Zephyr, which means like the awakened one who's returned to bring awakening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, it just, shows like a different way to play at life. I'm not suggesting everyone goes out and rob banks. Like, I mean, if that's what you get from this cold and great, but it's, it's more about just playing the game, you know, and enjoying life and enjoying what there is in your space. And if you're not enjoying it, change it, man, shift it into something else. And that movie hit home for me when I watched it as a kid. It's, um, one of the reasons I got into surfing, I was already bodyboarding at the time, but then I shifted over to surfing because of that movie wow. and surfing ever since. Uh, it's, it's brilliant, man. I, I, it's to me, the movie's all about freedom and getting in touch with yourself and, and, and a better way of life. So that would be one. Go ahead. No, I was saying that's incredible. Um, I love it, man. I think it's great. I could watch it a million times. Um, <laughs> Another movie that I really, really love, and well, I, mean, I don't know if I love it, but I, I love the tune, is Disney's Robin Hood. Uh, it came out in the 80s, but that tune that they whistle at the start and the end. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. The rooster tune, yeah. the one where the rooster, yep. yeah. Do, 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 I whistle yeah. that all the time. 
Oh, so it's no. not necessarily that I really love the movie, but I love that tune. And seeing as uh, it's a part of the movie and that's where I know it from, that's always in my head. And it's kind of funny because like it was Robin Hood and I like the story of Robin Hood, you know what I mean? Like giving back, and, like yep. doing something for the community and like having an aspect that's bigger than yourself. So obviously, I mean, that's like the Robin Hood thing. But if, if I'm being completely honest, the reason why I love it is because of the tune. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. I literally Googled that tune like a couple of days ago. <laughs> well, that makes Doesn't sense. It, it gets in your head. Fun. It fucking gets in your head. Dude, if that tune gets in my head faster than it's a small world. And if yeah. that's playing, small world's playing, that tune will stay in my head all day and it's a small world will be gone in a second. Uh, yeah. it's, and I'm very happy about that. My brain <laughs> is like choosing a good tune that I like. So that's yeah, always the best. Small world after all is just the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this, this is not something I enjoy. Um, and the third movie. Well, to be honest, actually, this I'm going to kind of sound like a Keanu fan, but The Matrix, man, first one. You're talking to an ultimate Keanu fan, so it doesn't matter. No, but I, I do love Keanu Reeves. So. Dude's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that movie hit home on so many levels. It's kind of like, and it's jumping into another movie, it's kind of like Inception. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like those two movies to me were like pivotal movies in terms of like an understanding of consciousness and the reality that we're in. And Inception, it, <laughs> a lot of a lot of my clients turn around and say, "So basically, what you're doing with me is Inception." I'm like, "Yeah, sure. Let's just call it that." <laughs> um, but I I honestly feel that if if you get the concept of Inception, that's kind of like what the work that I'm supposed to be doing and all the programs is supposed to do. It's about seeding something different so that you can change your life. It's, yeah. And that's the thing I always tell my clients, like this is not a process I do to you. I mean, it can be, but it's more of a process I do with you. We're a team. And the idea is as a team, we get you to where you want to go faster. Whereas if it's just me fighting you, there's not much point in that. And like, why are you seeking me out anyway? So inception for that, but the matrix, because it's the matrix, yeah, but it's even more apparent today than when it came out, man. Yeah. Like even myself, dude, I catch myself sometimes like flicking up my phone for no reason at all. And a lot of the times now I just leave my phone at home, which pisses my clients off because you know they want to get in touch with me. But at the same time, I need to set an example, right? And I'm like, well, dude, like I don't have my phone with me and I don't have my phone with me for good reason. Because my phone's my phone and it's got a place. And if it's like that dire and emergency, you'll find a way to get in touch with me and we'll figure it out. But for the most part, nothing's that big a deal, man. When we were growing up and we only had like the call phones at home and you called your buddy. So I called my mate Mark. Like, hey, bro. Uh, and he's not there. And then he's not picks up the phone. It's like, oh, hi, Mrs. Anderson. Like, oh, is Mark there? No, he's not here. Oh, okay. But when he gets back, can you get him to call me? Yeah, sure. Do I have a tantrum? Do I freak out? Do I think he'd been run over by a truck? Hell no. None of that. It didn't make a, a, any difference. We just catch up when we catch up. But today, it's like this huge thing because we're all plugged in and we need this and you've got to have it. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. I find it even more relevant today than it was when it came out. That's why and, I, I really like it. And also they've got the announcement of the fourth Matrix movie coming out soon as well. Yes, Keanu, isn't it? Yeah, he is that. He's, uh, he's back and so is Carrie Ann Moss. Is uh, what's his name? Mor Morpheus. No, no, not Morpheus. That uh, Agent Smith. Oh, I can't remember. Hugo Weaving. Yeah, that's the one. And he's an Aussie too. 
Yeah, he yeah. is. Um, actually, I don't know if he is because they haven't released the full cast date. They've just actually only kind of like gone, hey, this is coming out. I'd be interested to see where they're going with the storyline. But um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's kind of one of the big speculations. But as far as it goes with that movie, um, small admittance, I actually did watch Inception and The Matrix back to back a couple of months ago while completely after eating a weed brownie. Well, that's going to be a very different experience. Oh, it was a trip. It was legit a trip. Because, like, initially I was sat there for absolute ages thinking, oh, this is nice, I feel okay. And then I stood up and I felt my entire body pull away from itself. And then I watched the movie, I was like, oh, goddamn, this is going to be an insane trip. I did create some artwork, though. Yeah, I I created some artwork around it, though. Because, like, that's... That's the thing I've realized I do whenever I get to that point is I just create art. Whatever comes up, like my brain goes, let's make some art with this. I'm like, cool. Well, you do realize what you do for your living is artwork, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. But that's using artwork with words. This is using artwork with paints. Fair enough. Yeah. Touche. I'm using more traditional artwork with that. Gotcha. Oh, goddamn. But, yeah, dude, um, one last thing before we head out. What would you say if... Uh, if anyone could take away one big thing in their life, just one one practice from today, what would be that one practice you wish they would do more of? Honestly? Yep. The metronome thingy. And whether yeah. it's the metronome thingy from like my website or whether you just find some other breathing technique, um, what people don't really understand, and I did for a long time too, even with all the stuff I've done, and even with like my dad's training and him telling me just like, just breathe. And then even with the, professional training so like when people flip out in a session what they say is they say when people have an ab reaction that's a technical term right meaning the person's gone like straight back into the scenario they feel like they're there they're freaking out kind of like a panic attack yep the first thing that people tell you to do is say just tend to your breathing blah 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 right it's all about the breath man now everything else i do is amazing and it's great and it causes really cool change and it's fun but you've got to start with a foundation. And if your foundation's shaky or you've built it on sliding ground, then the rest, of your, the rest of your house is going to crumble. So the breath work, man. And seriously, for 15 minutes out of your entire day, and someone tells you they don't have 15 minutes to breathe, I tell them they're full of shit because you can do the breath work while you're typing on a computer, while you're sitting on a bus. And if you're not sitting on a bus going to work, then you're in a car going to work. If you're not in a car going to work, then you're on a train. If you're not on a train, then you're on a bicycle. If you're not on a bicycle, then you're walking, which means you're fucking breathing so you can do the breath work. Like there is no excuse not to do it. And the power that it has, dude, that when you do it consistently, you start to slow down the number of cycles of breath that you have per minute. By pulling that down, you start to automatically lower down your system into a state of parasympathetic arousal, which pulls you out of fight or flight which means your brain starts connecting and you don't stay in like your left hemisphere. You start connecting with your right hemisphere, which is linked to your vagus nerve, which then now connects through to your gut, through to your um, heart, which are also considered brains and neuroscience, as well as allowing you to go through the rest of your nervous system down through your spine and connect with your body in a different way and just give you so much more sensory input because your sensory input comes from your non-dominant hemisphere, which in 97% of people, is your right hemisphere. So shutting that off shuts you down to options. That's why breath work is so important. And that's why I do it every day. 
incredible. And I will actually agree, breath work is one of the craziest things that you could do. Uh, anytime I find myself freaking out, my first thing is, um, am I breathing? And how deep is my breath? Is it relaxed or is it labored? Is it coming from a place of this is helping or not? And if it actually even gets that, easiest thing I can give anyone to do besides what you just told me, I tell everyone, I will now recommend literally everyone listening to the show, go check it out. I know I caught the metronome thingy, but it will actually help you out quite a lot. Trust me on that. Um, one of the ones that I actually use, is I just, it's scary how like three deep breaths calm you right down. Just three deep breaths. As a yeah, because it causes a neurological shift, man. Yeah. Think about it this way. In terms of psychology, we've evolved not even 100 years. And what I mean by that is the whole idea of the subconscious was spawned by Freud, right? Sigmund Freud. Right. And that was, what, in the 40s and 50s? So we're not even 100 years out. Our evolution now, if, depending on if people are religious, I'm not slandering your religion so we're clear. But yeah, my course. point is from a scientific point of view, we've been around and we've developed and we've grown and we've evolved out of these thousands of years. So if you're taking something that's been around for hundreds of thousands or potentially millions of years in terms of an evolutionary biology based over something that's been around for 70, 80 years, what do you think is going to win? Every time hands down in neurology. And that's why you don't need to try and win with your mind. You win with your body through a volitional control. And then everything just starts coming your way. Yeah. That I can actually that I can actually see is the way it is. And again, anyone that takes offense to that kind of like, oh, you know, he's saying this about religion, whatever it is, it's not that. And um, it's how do I put this? It makes me laugh at how many times people actually don't want to believe how our brains have been, like they've been systematically conditioned for survival for so long that a hundred years is not going to be enough to change his mind. No way. Yeah. No way. That, like you can be the best in the world. Yes, you can influence those processes, but the equipment is there for what it is. And that's, exactly. yeah, you got to learn how to use the equipment, not change the equipment. Yep. It is what it is. Dude, thank you so much for actually uh, doing this show today. I know we've been trying to get this thing done for a while. I appreciate you coming on. I definitely want to have you back on the show again. And this is just fucking awesome because I hadn't actually told you or anyone listening to this just yet, but this is uh, episode two or three, if I remember correctly, of season six of the show. So welcome to actually being part of that. Much appreciated, my man. Much appreciated. I, I'm it's been glad. a great fun. I've enjoyed it. For sure. I want to get you back on later on uh, during the seasons, just basically make sure that we can actually get you back in. And there's so much more that I want to ask you about as well that we just didn't have time for today. But guys, go check out claymoffat.com. That's C-L-A-Y-M-O-F-F-A-T.com. Where do they get the metronome thingy, by the way? Just uh... Dude, you can get it from uh, the App Store or Google Play. And um, I'll send you a link to the, uh, the metronome app that they can get. Um, and if they on, don't want to get an app, what's it called on uh, on on um, the App Store? It's just just type in metronome. Literally, just search for metronome. That's all you need to do. And then, it, depending on the person, is going to depend on the beats per minute, and uh, the tempo is always going to be four four. So the tempo is always four four, but you're going to have to adjust the beats per minute to get all the breathing happening at a certain rate and speed. Um, but I can send you the details, give like a basic version of that. 
Yeah, um, please do. And then, of course, guys, we'll put that on the show notes over at adlamarcy.com forward slash podcast. Look for this episode there with Clay Moffat, and you should be able to find it. Uh, and the other place I would recommend everyone goes is uh, Gray Zone Underground. That's G-R-A-Y-Z-O-N-E underground.com. By the way, has Underground Radio launched yet? Is that like out yet or are we still waiting? No, we're still waiting, man. I've been sitting on that. I literally just submitted my final project for my MBA on Saturday. Um, so I've got like a, a huge weight and like thing off my shoulders. Um, so I'm going to have more free time to actually start doing other things now. So I'll probably be lift, probably be starting up in the next little while. That's pretty awesome. I'm looking forward to it, man. Like I really can't wait for this thing to come out. It's going to be amazing. All right, dude, I'll speak to you real soon, guys. I'll see you on next week's episode and please, uh, as always review, rate, share and subscribe. I appreciate it. And Clay, thanks for an amazing interview, my man. Thank you, sir.